Rob, come on, mate. We spoke about this beforehand. You made me nervous now because I know we pre-planned this and said, look, I'd kick it off and I was all excited. And then right before you click record, you just said, it's you. Remember, it's you. And I'm like, I'm flustered now because we've got a really good, cool guest. You know, probably the coolest guest we've we've had on the Funny Business Podcast, I'd say. Um, And I'm just (laughs) excited, mate. We got Mitch Jones, uh, workplace strategist, made for. He's just doing plenty of good stuff. He's been friends with the Funny Business Podcast for a long time now, and we're just fucking pumped to do a deep dive with your own workspaces, mate. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, fellas. Keen to uh, chat work, life, and everything in between and the and the how intertwined they are now. Well, mate, let's get into it. Workplace strategist. Like, how do you get that title? How do I get up and just be like, that's what I want to do. I want to be a workplace strategist. It's very funny. You almost make it up. And, and it, it devalues a little bit what I do by saying you almost make it up. But for me, it's, uh, it's 15 years of doing offices and it's starting a business to make strategy and the thought that goes into workplaces more accessible to smaller businesses. It's always been available to, you know, really big companies and it's done by firms that charge just crazy sort of money to do it. But for me, it was always stand on the other side, come into a company with fresh set eyes and just look at things that we can do to make working and coming to work better. So uh, it's a little bit self-titled, a guy's under creative director, but um, through COVID, I just absolutely leaned into everything we're learning around the world. And we've never learned more than what we've just gone through because now we need to bring people back in. People understand what they like about coming to work, but also what they don't like about going to work every day. And right now there's a battle going on between employees and employers around secretly behind the curtain. Employers want their staff in most of the time more. And employees are unsure about it. So, you know, it's about finding like the happy medium or the social contract of sort of where those things line up. And that's the frontier at the moment. Yeah. It's, are we coming in? Are we staying home? Why are we coming in? It's pretty crazy at the moment. It's funny. Like we're some of the work that we're working with or even working with clients, we're seeing the exact same dynamic. It's like employees have got used to being from home all the time as if they, if they do a job that enables them that they actually can successfully or version of successfully do it from home it's a bit like well i've just experienced all this now i don't want to give it up but like all these people have already got these spaces there's like locked in i think the we're massive advocates of that face-to-face interaction the human human interaction that a workspace actually provides well i think it's when you like your job you want to come in don't you that makes you want to come in more and then when and, and when you're there and and it feels good especially with what you do and if you can bring an environment to life that reflects the the attitude and the vibe then like isn't that what it's all about like i think if you hate your job you kind of want to hide don't you so well yeah i mean there's a little bit of that uh that you know if it's not if it's not worth coming to work you just don't go to work right and like now now that employees kind of have the power because we've had this great resignation and no one can find staff and whatever there's a little bit of that but something you said rob is this like you can do your job from home but what we're finding is people are just doing their job so like what you were doing two years ago from home, there's a good chance that maybe you're just doing that all the time and you haven't started to look at all the other things that you might be able to do from being in the workplace. And my version of it is I'm really lucky. I mean, we're a creative business and we solve a lot of problems face-to-face, whiteboards, finishes in front of each other, hands-on. Our staff are in about 95% of the time. That's sort of the number that we've arrived at. Um, close-knit team, get on really well. Everyone's fully on board with sort of growing this business, which is nice. I think part of that is... I make it really clear what this business is trying to do to all of my staff. So they feel like it's really exciting to be part of what we're doing. And traditional management sort of 
is a little more, you know, everything's a little bit more secretive. I have managers I talked to now, like we don't want to play our hand around whether we want our staff to come in more or less because if we say less, then that gives them the power. If we say more, they might resign. Just having everybody on board with sort of what the business wants is like a really good first protocol. But in terms of that, you know, doing your job versus learning and like gaining more, there's this cognitive style of learning, which sort of means that like you learn from osmosis. So I learn because I overhear that. And that person overhears me saying something and they have the answer to it. And now all of a sudden I've got two people who can help me out with something, making me better at what I'm doing straight away. So much harder to do when you're not in the same physical space. So instead of you having a manager or senior person overhear you, you can ask for help on teams. If somebody's kind of doing something else, they might not jump onto it. You can set up a meeting to kind of like try and work through it. But that like on the spot cognitive learning, I think is just not as good when you're not in the workplace. doesn't mean you can't work from home. But you certainly want to be in there, I think. And we're definitely seeing management move towards let's at least get our staff in minimum 50% of the time. But goal for management at the moment looks to be like 75% of the time, whereas employees are way closer to 50. You mentioned having years, a uh, track record of doing offices and doing this thing before you, you, you launched your own thing. Can you go into a bit about like what got you into this space in the first place? Yeah, I um, I had a, a family that's been in construction uh, my whole life and ended up in workplace construction. They were always more focused on that side of things and I, I kind of learned a lot about that. I actually went out and did a bunch of things on my own, run a couple of weird small businesses, burrito shop, ice cream store, sold cars for a little while, um, but then had always been slightly involved with the business. Uh, and we were kind of getting there. We'd walk in, someone would go, right, we need four offices, a little kitchen there, 10 workstations. How much does it cost? And they'd do that to three people and it kind of became a race to the bottom. And you're talking about, you know, 20, 50, 100, 200, $500,000 a year of rent, all the money that you pay your staff. And now we're sitting there working out the office that we're going to be in for the next five to seven years, trying to attract and retain staff. And we're going with a quote that's cheapest by one or 2,000 bucks. When while we're on the phone having that conversation, we've paid more than that in rent and, and wages and, and et cetera, et cetera. And that didn't resonate with where I thought workplace was going to go. And, and as hard as it was to kind of leave a really successful, as a big business, as like 50 odd employees, our family business, we wanted to give making that more thoughtful sort of approach to workplace available. So what at the time we thought would just be small businesses with like 20 staff or less, because that was all we thought we could buy it off. It's crazy to us now that we're doing strategy for businesses with 900 people. Like it's just fucking wild. But um, it's a, it's it's a it's a listening job, you know. It's 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 talking to staff. It's talking to management. It's understanding what is what isn't working. It's workshopping. A lot of really dorky workshops are just kind of prompt getting answers out of people. And it's so interesting. We we used to in the early days, I meld management and staff all into the one workshop. And management would kind of lead the way and then staff would just kind of say the same sort of stuff. And now we've broken them out separately and I don't, don't let either of them influence each other. And what you hear in one is so different to what you hear in the other. And like even what they think their staff will say about certain things is often a long way off. And, you know, management often makes up a very small part of the team. So understanding what the mass want out of their office is so interesting. And I often sa- I start a workshop always with like, and I'm going to ask you boys this question, like what's the best and worst thing about where you've worked before? Uh, and you get really great answers out of that. And then we say, just crazy exercise, like just give me some ideas of what would make a workplace better. And management say things like maybe uh, maybe like a better coffee machine or a popcorn maker and that, that sort of stuff. 
And employers say really basic fundamental comfort things like, I just wish the heater worked. Like, and that's like a weird disconnect of like the way that they both think about those two kind of things. And then you've got everything in the middle. And you boys would have had a job before where you come to work and it's it's fucking hard to do your job. It's like there's, there's just roadblocks all day that are slowing you down from doing what you're doing. The first thing management need to remove in a new workplace is just make it easy and pleasant to come to work and do your job. And we often confuse that with like sexier looking offices because we've seen that on the internet and stuff. But that's one of the like main drivers when we're one of my employees is sneaking in. I reckon she's here to just pick up some booze late at night. She's just wandered on into the office to raid the fridge. <laughs> hey, at least you know what's going on. Huh? You she might have to up. install some she cameras. Knows she knows what's up. She's sitting in there. She's like, why are you sitting in the dark, bro? You know? <laughs> she knew I was fucking weird. This is just, this is going out on the group chat immediately, I reckon. Bill goes in the office sitting in the dark on his own, talking to himself. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, off air that your first job that you won was like five beanbags or something for sports bet. And now, like, fast forward, you're doing workplace strategy for a company of, like, 900 people. That must feel pretty surreal, but I'm sure there's lots of – there's been, like, lots of ups and downs along the way to go from one size job to the scale that you're doing now. Yeah, and it happens slowly. So, I mean, I've got friends with, with branding or copywriting studios, like Erica, who's a mutual friend of ours, who does a lot of copywriting, she's got a business as well. You can build a really great website or a really great brand for a client with them still paying you a small amount of money. You can kind of over-service them. Does that, do you know what I mean? So – Someone can come to you and go, I've only got $1,000 to design my new brand. And you're a new business and you go, I'm still going to design you the best fucking brand in the whole world, right? But you can't do that when you're trying to deliver them a new office because you can't go, just pay me $100 and I'll design you a million-dollar office because they're going, no, I've only got hundred grand, you know? So that sort of step of gaining trust means that it almost takes you three years before you've kind of got anything that you can, you can kind of advertise or showpiece but what you can do is just no matter how small the job is, just make sure that the client you're dealing with. And like I remember the lady we dealt with at Sportsbet, HR manager, she was almost embarrassed when she saw us carrying those, those um, bean bags in. But she became a reference for us. And when she talked to people about the project that we did for us, she'd say they really brightened up our you know, breakout area. They brought in some texture, some colour, made it a bit more fun. And that led to X and Y and Z and as many cheerleaders as you can have out there for you, um, how big or how small they are, they turn into they turn into jobs. They take a little while, but um, yeah, you just got to keep sticking it out and make sure every time someone deals with you, they think you're a, a pretty good good human and, and kind of got their best interests at heart. So that's um that's rule number one in here is just like just be a pleasure to deal with, uh, and it's something it's easy to forget and it's easy to shit can sort of your, your clients or your suppliers that you work with there and um, that's number two is like we just don't talk about about ourselves our clients or our suppliers those two things force you to have great relationships with everybody that you do work with and i love when i hear someone who's been here for a year calling me or someone else out on maybe slipping into i'm about to say something that's a bit shit about someone they go hey we don't do that because everybody does that to everyone in here so I think that's been our sort of secret sauce because until a couple of years ago, it wasn't great projects. It was just great reputation. Well, word of mouth is everything. It's key. And like, that's, that's such a good lesson, I think, because that's something that we've learned as well along the way is it's a people business. Everything's about people and it, and it's the relationships that you have. And if you could like, you just want to make work enjoyable, don't you? You don't want things to be shit. So you can wake up and choose to have problems or you can wake up and choose to, 
to solve them, you know? That's, like That's spot on, man. And, like, if if every time they get on the phone with you and they're going through some other shit or in a meeting or whatever, it's just a little bit more fun than it, the last thing was, even when, you, even when you stuff something up, like, there's already that relationship that exists beyond just the work. When it exists on just work and work stuffs up, everything's to shit. But if you've got everything else around that, uh, and, you know, just, that kind of makes everything a little bit more easy and palatable, yeah. Hey, let's go into what makes workspaces usable. So we're coming out the other side of COVID now. You mentioned people trying to get people back to the office. What makes a workspace usable? Number one is that making it easier to come to work and do your work. And that's broken up into a few things. So the biggest bugaboo for people with most of the offices they're in is that the tech's bad or it's cold, like I said, or it's too noisy. So they're like really non-sexy, low-hanging fruit, but they're things that matter. If you're trying to go hot desk and half of you people are on Surface Pros and you've got a few people on Macs, and every time they get to a desk, they got to go find the right attachment and plug it in just to sort of go and set up, they're less likely to come to work in a hot desk setup. So like that really low-hanging, non-sexy fruit is, is a big one. Then away from that, it's kind of understanding within your business, what sort of things are people going to do in a day and what sort of sports like spaces are going to support that? So you might be a business that's really happy for your staff to work from home, but you want them to come in for the sake of socializing, building a little bit of community and a little bit of culture and just problem solving. So the idea of having 60 desks, which is what you might have had before COVID or might have had in the past, that's a fucking waste because no one wants to go and sit there because they go in, it's a ghost town, but when they want to have a meeting, they don't have the areas to do it. Um, a business that might be a legal firm is totally different. Throughout the day, they're going to jump on heaps and heaps of private calls, way more calls than they used to have face-to-faces. Literally five years ago, people thought they had to deal with a serious legal or accounting issue. They had to go see their lawyer. That was just how it was, right? I used to go see my accountant who was an hour and a half away because he was my dad's account, so that was why I used him. I would go drive out there and he'd go through the numbers with me and spend two and a half hours in the car. So like a business like that, they're going to have lots of 20, 30-minute meetings all day. They can't do that all beside each other because they used to use meeting rooms. Now we need phone rooms or high back chairs or comfy places to sit while they make these calls. So um, understanding what the work day sort of spits out and then reshaping the office space to do that. Uh, but that obviously comes at a cost, right? So not every business can do that tomorrow, but I think business is having like a little bit of a plan around, well, we've got two years left on our lease, so we're going to do some you know, low-hanging fruit A, B, and C, letting your staff know, hey, we understand this might not be perfect. We've gone through COVID. We're still juggling. We're going to try some things out in the interim. And then knowing that when you get to the end of that year or two years or three years, whenever your lease is up or whatever, having a new plan of attack for really delivering the office that you need. And for most businesses now, they need less space. So less space means less rent, less OPEX, potentially the opportunity to spend a little bit more on getting it right this time around, or even if you're renegotiating your your lease. So um, I think there are things like make it easy, fit for purpose, and some compelling reasons to come to work. Like we started with this, right? It's got to be fun. There's got to be something about going to work. For some people, it's not fun. Some people, it's I'm coming and I'm learning from the people around me and I'm trying to get better at my job and that's why I'm coming in. But for some people, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on my own all day because my husband's an Ambo or my, you know, my husband's a school teacher or my whatever it might be. I actually love coming in because, you know, especially if I've got kids, this is when I get my, my social interactions with people, you know. It's when I talk about stranger things, which I love. <laughs> 
I remember oh. when I was I worked at um I worked at Telstra and it was one of their buildings that had been in there the same office setup since like the seventies and there was a dude in there that was still working for Telstra. I remember walking past he's like it's funny like this this office floor hasn't changed since he'd done his grad program there in the in the seventies. Oh. He'd worked there for that like fifty years. He's like the office is still the same and the tap still leaks. And I was <laughs> like, this office space makes me really really sad and depressed you know i hated coming to work because i sat in the cubicle all i had all these like real old school like lockers and filing cabinets with all yeah. the keys that had been lost they had the panel dividers and it was like i just sat there at my desk with the screen on and just like try to pretend like i wasn't george costanza and like american sitcom shit hey like, yeah, bad it was exactly like that the depths of hell god's waiting room yeah it's pretty tough but you mentioned earlier before like the basics and when when i was thinking about it just then it was like i i ease like i think location's a good one for like like where do where do you fucking people live you know what i mean like for me if it's easy for me to go into work i'll come in all the time because it yeah. doesn't take me fucking three hours so it is is like location important when you're like scouting new offices for do, do you do that do you scout new locations and stuff like that yeah so there's a couple there's a couple that matter and like especially when people looking for new offices it's like if everybody's had a, if you live out and away from a train station and everybody's had a car park before and now you're going to move them somewhere where they don't and it's hard for them to get there, well, it's just another one of those massive barriers to get them get them to come into work. I think heat mapping your staff is a really good idea. It's a great idea when you've got, um, what's really interesting is like businesses that are not in the city have always, their staff have always come from their side of town anyway particularly in jobs that are hard to kind of differentiate. It's like someone might drive to the other side of the city to work for Google or LinkedIn or like a really exciting company or an incredible law firm they'll go to the city. But if you're looking for an admin job or an account manager role or sales job at like a, you know, a B2B business or something like that, you're probably going to look for something a little closer to home. So, I mean, the biggest one there is, and, and again, we, we always get everyone's postcode, find out where everyone sort of is when we're looking. It's just making it easy to get to work and proximity to train station is obviously number number one because there's another nice thing that happens there is you'll find employees find a way to catch the train to work together and walk to work together, um, encouraging that, you know, rather than the eight directors, if that's how many car parks there are, all get a car park, even though, and this happens all the time and it happens in my office and I live 400 metres away. I drive to work every day, right? But like, Come man, on. I know it's bad, but I go to site. I go to site every day. I go to site every day. My clients are everywhere. But I mean, like potentially, like we're about to have a work car, so that I don't have to do that. That frees up another car park. But like something as easy as carpooling or whatever it is, and if you carpool with two other employees, you get a car park. Like this is just sort of creatively thinking about ways like that where it's just not sort of floated. But yeah, location's big, and proximity to amenities a really big one. Which you know. Like, People want to be able to buy a good coffee at lunchtime, right? So, I mean, these things matter. We had a client who moved their, their staff away from a business park with a really good cafe to out in a like emerging sort of area that had nothing around. So they actually put a cafe inside their office. They set up an app and before you left, you put in your arrival time because there's only one barista working in the mornings. And they worked out the cost of them moving further out save them so much money that they could actually put in a full-time barista and they subsidize like cakes, cookies, croissants and stuff to like two bucks a buck throughout the day. Uh, and you text it in, walk in, grab your coffee and your keep cup or whatever and take it to your desk. But it also did this great thing is that because their staff couldn't go to a cafe during the day, which is what you do sometimes if you want to have a chat about something or whatever, they made that part of their office look completely different. 
So everything else was really sterile and sexy, which is a little bit our style. But the cafe area was really warm and lots of timber and colours and greenery and everything like that. So it kind of gave them that little reset in their space. What's been the worst thing that someone's asked for? Like, has there been like any magic going like, let's put in. You say no. Like if someone come into the hairdressers and go, I want a flat top, my hairdresser said no. Mate, I'm pretty, I was pretty close to that for a long time. Um, (laughs) uh, The worst thing you hear is, and it's the, it's people trying to kind of find a cheap trick to make the office better. You know, like, I mean, like people ask the weird things like, like sleep pods and like float pod. I had float pod come up the other day. It's like those things are 70 grand. Like, but I mean, there's businesses like the big, the big guys have things like that. We're doing an office at the moment that's got a full-on gym in it, like a full-on gym, like that you die to have, you die to have as your local gym almost, like all the best equipment. And they ask their staff to come in every day of the week and they do a 6.30, 7.30 in the morning, a 5.30 and a 6.30 strength and conditioning class for, for anyone that wants to be part of it. And it probably costs them 200K to fit out the gym but they're booked all the time and that's one of those like compelling reasons to actually come into the office and the staff are chatting and doing everything when they're there. So, you know, these are other ways if you reduce your footprint or you find a way to do things differently, you can kind of add nice little perks that might have a little upfront cost, but over time probably save you money in the attraction and retention of, of good staff. How crazy do you get, Mitch? Are you looking at things online and going, let's just put a fucking slide in this thing? Just because staff <laughs> is depressed, mate. The slide. Yeah, and a full-time clown, and that's what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, we haven't had a full-time clown yet, but I'm pretty into that. Uh, fuck, where? I wish we. I wish I could tell you we were the firm that encourages the slide in the office. We're, um, we're normally the one trying to say what I was saying before, spend, spend a bit more money on the things that you're going to use. But wow, wow fact is pretty cool. We had a client who all their clients were the, the car companies. They provide a software as a service to all the big car companies. I don't know if you've seen this lock in nodding like maybe you have, but we did a one to a hundred scale electrics replica of Apple Park Lake in their office, like near the entry, near where the coffee machine was. And they've got a little computer system hooked up to it. So say John from Ford comes in, he picks his little Ford off up to be his car and he records his fastest time for five laps and it goes on the leaderboard. Like, that was a pretty cool, fun little idea that we sort of set up in an office. Uh, and they're like such a thing to talk about. And like, I mean, the staff get a little bit probably like, you know, they've, they've had their fun with it, but um, it's a nice way to start a meeting with a client, you know? I was going to say it's a bit wank. There's some, th- not, that's not wank, but you can that's get wank. wank. <laughs> you know, I know, but like that, that you could almost get put off by things like when they're saying, oh, we got the table tennis table and we got the, it's like, that was Google 10 years ago. Yeah. You know, like yeah. that's not real. That's not what you really want. You can tell and- the difference when you go into a space and you see if it's used or not. I think you go in there and it's uh-huh. like, it might have fancy stuff, but it's all sitting there and no one's using it at all. Yeah. Yeah. The table table one's like an interesting one. There's some businesses that just froth it, right? Like, and, but 90% of their staff, or 50% of their staff don't. And they've put the breakout table in the, in the breakout, the ping pong table in the breakout. Someone's trying to have a coffee and just a bit of a, a relax from their desk while bro, broski over here wants to fucking slam it down. Like, it's just getting it right, you know. It's like that's not the spot for it. It's, yeah, sort of office for all people. But we get all that sort of stuff, man, uh, all the all the fun, wacky kind of ideas for sure. You've got the coolest job, bro. Oh, I reckon, honestly, and you'd get such good insight into the way like companies think about their their people, wouldn't you? Because like, is how 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 much do they really care? How much is fully invested into making their experience the best possible? 
way more now than a few years ago. Yeah, like what but, what are the changes that you've seen? You go, is it just that they value that way more now, or is it is it they want them in, man? They they, yeah. they they want them in is, yeah. is what it is. They, they, it, they didn't used to care. They used to say they just come in. That's just what they did. That's what they signed up for. That's what they do. Now it's like if you want them in and someone else is saying they don't have to come in or they've got a better, like there's, there's way more like I'll go find somewhere I want to work. So <clears throat> a bit that, I think a bit of a generational change in management, you know, like uh, a lot of my friends are running really successful businesses that, you know, never ever did anything in terms of like, you know, going to business school or being taught what kind of manager to be or anything like that. It's just kind of, it's it's a it's a vibe sort of situation, and it's, it means that you're always figuring shit out behind the scenes around the sort of more technical stuff that you were never taught. But have pretty good connection with your team, and like for me, I not not I don't this office isn't beautiful because I want them to come to work. It's beautiful because I want the people here to work in a fucking great office. You know, like that's what it is more than anything else. And we're expanding our business, and we're about to fit another office, and we're pretty excited about it. And a little bit of it's for clients, a little bit of it's for me, but most of it's just like, it's not even to get them in. It's just, I just want them to love the, this place they work in. And if they do, they'll stay and they know we give a shit about them and all those things, you know, 1% more care on everything that they do. That shit adds up and it pays for itself. So, um, oh, oh, you can get blown away when you walk into a space, I think, and you're going, fuck, and, peep, and your friends and stuff going, you're so lucky to work at a space that actually gives a shit and you can tell yeah. that like they want you to be proud of where you work you know what i mean they want they want to wear that as like a badge of honor and going fucking beautiful you know it, we had one of our girls have her engagement party here like oh, and there you go i mean that was just a sick thing to be able to do because it was like just out of covid and her venue literally called her and go hey it's under such demand like the price has gone up and she was like i just can't deal with that kind of price like and it was nice enough that you could have it here. And what, just like, what a fucking incredible thing to be able to do, you know, for her to feel like she can bring all her mates here for her, her engagement party. So also good venue for parties here as well. It's been the, uh, especially pre-baby and pre-COVID, there was some there was some late nights in here, including one morning where I got back in at 8 o'clock and a couple of my mates who I told to let themselves out at 4 were still here at 8.30 on Monday morning. So um, it, it seen, it's seen a bit of everything here. You have the DJ decks there. What the yeah, we on? we do. We get it. We get a DJ in a couple of times a year for a bit of a party. My wife Cara has a, a big party every year where we bring someone in and we get the lights and the everything in. It's pretty good fun. Nice little, nice little added added perk of the office. Oh, how good's just having fun and making fun the forefront of what you're doing? Because honestly, you can be around such fucking drab things and and business and all this shit, but. Like we're we're making our point to just have more fun with shit, you know. Like celebrate the small wins and just fucking live, you know. Mate, celebrate the wins is um is one of the one of the biggest ones. I've got like this little twelve rules of life I have that are like my own guide to like, am I still on track? Am I getting shit right? And it's not like a five year plan or anything. It's not like I want to be you know make this much money and have three houses and whatever. It's just like things around like the way I want my life to go. And like number eight is celebrate the wins and actually celebrate them because we have a tendency to just like, you know, bang dopamine onto the next thing. You went and did something that was really fucking important. So, you know, definitely celebrate it. Um, yeah. What, what do you, could do you get, um, cause I think you can get lost in the hustle a little bit. Can it, can't you? And you can feel like, Oh, you got to ride that momentum and you got to keep, keep doing that type of stuff. But 
That you gotta, you gotta fuck. You're doing it for a long time. You gotta just chill the fuck out, bro. Don't go 100 all the time. Just cruise on 80 and just. Let but, but, but like, I mean, that real, like that release, that like, because I think you can go 100 as long or, or 90. But as long as when you when you actually you do it, you take the moment and you take stock to do it, and you do something nice for yourself when you do it, right? Like. We, we, we celebrated harder when we won those six beanbags or when we won 100 square metres than we did when we, because, you know, you get into this, like, you're just trying to pay the bills and, like, a little bit, like, you know, there's more mouths to feed, you got to keep doing the jobs, doing the jobs, doing the jobs. And it's actually sometimes, you know, you jump on something like this and someone says to you, hey, you've done this office and that office and all these great things, and you go, fuck, yeah, we really have. But you, you're right, you're just so just what's happening next, what's happening next. You just yeah, forget about it a little bit sometimes. Well, man, hey, speaking of what's happening next, and time of recording this, we're about halfway through the year. You mentioned you're fitting out a new office to head into there. What can we expect to see between now and Christmas? Next time we chat, uh, world domination. Anybody, who, which office you're fitting out? What, what's the big hit list of the targets? So we, ju- we just finished something for, for Bali Body. Uh, so Australian startup, uh, incredible company. Uh, husband and wife team did, have done an incredible office. Uh, our, uh, our forte, warehouse conversion into office. Um, that's pretty cool. Uh, where that large business that we've sort of just done that strategy piece for, uh, that 900-person business, uh, that all that's hitting site pretty soon. Uh, that's really exciting for us. They had 40 to 50 people coming into work uh, out of 900 most of the time. So we've really taken a, a – they're taking a big leap in sort of <clears throat> fully refitting one floor at a time and, like, learning how their staff respond to each floor and then kind of running five floors right back through the building, that a better place to come to work. Uh that's happening. And then, um, <clears throat> mate, we are, like I said, we're starting a new, new business that's going to be more focused on uh, the procurement and selection of the fun stuff like furniture, workstations, artwork, all those sort of things for resi homes and businesses. Uh, a lot of what's happening now is we, businesses don't need all the walls and the, and the doors. They just need a bit better tech, a bit better furniture, better set up spaces. So we're kind of breaking the architecture and PM firm away and, giving that furniture business a little room to breathe, which includes fitting out a new office, which maybe when we're, when we're done, you boys can come check it out. We can record something in there. Mate, we'll come to the party, I reckon. Hey, it comes oh, to the party. Oh, mate, you just invite party. yourself, Rob. No party. <laughs> no one invites me these days. You've got to invite myself. That's how it works, isn't it? Hey, you got it. You got it. You got it. Yeah. That's crazy. So well, before we let you go, do you have to delve into the shit stuff that you don't like then? Like if it's like, all subjective, you know what I mean? When people are just like, they want drab stuff. Do you have to dive deep into all different, uh, I suppose, vibes and, and aesthetics? And like, you'd have a sick mood board on Pinterest and shit, surely, wouldn't you? You'd have some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You definitely get some good ones. Well, I think the the biggest thing is that it fits the business, right? It's like, so we did Frank Body. That's like, you know, pink, blue, checkerboards, great, like everything going on, all different shapes. And that's really sick. And right now we're doing a capital firm that sort of, you know, they deal with giant sums of money and people's things and they're all a little bit more buttoned up. doesn't need to be drab, but it's a lot more kind of dressed down. We don't really take it on anymore if they're not interested in sort of doing something for their team and something a little bit compelling. It sort of has come down to, I think, businesses interview businesses and um, both ways now. So, like, we're keen to talk to anyone. It doesn't have to be a big budget. It just has to be, like, we want to do something that's exciting or makes a difference or whatever it is. Um, so we say, first one is we'll come and see you and we'll check out your space or wherever you're looking at. Second one, you come and see us. We'll let you know what our fee looks like to do your work. And then we can actually both decide 
if this is a good fit for each other. It's a really interesting sales tool to say to someone like, like I'm still a salesperson, like that's what you have to do to sort of win jobs and keep businesses running is to just sort of say, and, and we mean it, like I'm not going to call you every day and try and win your business because you've got to want to work with us and we've got to want to work with you. And after a couple of meetings, we'll know if that's going to work for us. So Drab's just not us, right? It's like it's not going to be us. But it doesn't mean it has to be big budget either. Oh, I like that. The people's champ works with everyone. <laughs> better be fucking cool. Oh, mate, thank you so much for jumping on. Let us pick your brain. Can't wait to get this episode out there. And I feel like we've got the most lackluster office now. Like, oh, it's speaking. making me feel just, a bit shit. Yeah, <laughs> How do they get in touch with that. you? How do they get in touch with you if they want to deck out their shit or change things up? What are they Guys, doing? we're at made-for.com.au. It's a terrible fucking website. And I've been trying to buy it made for without the hyphen in the middle for ages, but the guy won't sell it to me. He's not even using it. If you're listening, I can sell it to me. <laughs> Whack job, bro. We got the we got the dark web. Just clear <laughs> later. Done. Thanks, boys. Hey, we'll see you at the party, eh? This has been a Wellbeing Network podcast.